Um, we had a really early start this morning. One of my daughters, I've got three girls. One of my daughters um, does competitive gymnastics. Now, this is not for the faint-hearted. Um, it requires several nights training a week. Um, it's, they do push-ups. When you walk into the gym to see what they're doing, it's like military training in there. They're doing push-ups. They've got the Superman hold. They're doing the chin-ups on the bar. It's pretty hardcore. Um, and she applies herself and she works really hard um, and her coach comes alongside her. She's got a great coach who has also sort of gone before and she's, you know, completed all the levels in um, what they call WAG gymnastics. It's um, women's gymnastics, artistic gymnastics. And um, her coach comes alongside her every week at training and she gives her instructions. She tells her what to do, how to do it. She knows how to do it. She's done it herself. She gives her the little tips. But when Luella has a competition, that's my daughter, her coach stands at her side and she whispers some last-minute instructions to her and then it's all up to my daughter. It's all up to the gymnast to do it on their own. Her coach gives her that last bit of encouragement and then she's off and running on her own and um, her competition's finished by now. I'm sure she did an awesome job this morning. But I was thinking that about that this morning because we're going to look at a passage in Scripture that is a bit like that. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's walked with them for three years. He's talked with them, he's come alongside them and he's about to leave. So he gives them this last minute instructions before he leaves. We're going to be looking at John 15 this morning if you want to open up your Bibles as we start to talk about a little bit. In chapters 13 to 17, we read about Jesus giving all of this information. He's imparting all this information to the disciples. It's a bit of a, a how-to, a life manual. What are the things that they really need to know before they begin their ministry without him present with them? How will they carry on the mission after he is gone? So he spends the time with the 11 disciples because Judas has just left. They've eaten the Passover together. And it's before they go out to the Mount of Olives. And he speaks to them with his instructions. Because you know what happens after his death and his ascension into heaven? They would be the ones who would carry out the Great Commission, right? It was up to them. They were charged this, this immense task of carrying and preaching the good news to Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It wasn't something they just decided to do on their own, but it was a commission on high from Jesus, the man that they had walked with the last three years. How would these ordinary, unschooled men be able to do this? How were they going to be able to continue on what Jesus had already begun? And it was only with absolute assurance that they had been given all that they needed to accomplish it in and through Jesus Christ. So Jesus makes it clear to them that the only way that they're going to be able to do this is through abiding in him. The one that they had come to know as the vine, that's what we're going to talk about today, their source of life and strength. He was the one who would give them abundant provision for what they needed. He was the only way that they would be able to go forth and bear fruit. So he uses this picture to teach the disciples about how to continue once he has gone. Now, I don't know if you, you've had an early morning this morning and you're feeling a bit sleepy, but why don't we all stand up as we read the scripture together? Let's put our bodies into action this morning. 
So maybe you'd like to read along. It's on the screen or read in your Bible. We're going to read from 1 through to 11. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, you might have heard that passage of Scripture many times before, but let's come to it fresh today, hey? Let's have an open heart, open ears to hear what the Lord would want to say. So let's just um, pray before we come around the Word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come into this place this morning. We thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you with all that we are this morning. We just invite you to speak to us. We pray that your words would land on soft hearts this morning. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be people that bear fruit. And we want to remain in you. So would you have your way in us this morning. Challenge us and convict us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So we're going to look at um, probably just the first six six chapters. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'm up for it, you guys. Um, well, I did want to look at the 11 and then it, we were going to be here for over an hour. So I thought, let's go for this, the first six verses um, and we'll work our way through together. Um, so Jesus begins by using, using a picture of the vine. So this wasn't an uncommon um, metaphor for that for the disciples they would have heard about this before because the image of a vine had often been used to represent the people of God of Israel in Old Testament times so the nation of Israel had often been pictured as a vine but it was in its relationship to God so let's read a couple of verses to put this in context for us so Psalm 80 verse 8 says you transplanted a vine from Egypt you drove out the nations and planted it you cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. So he's using vine to talk about this nation. God is the one who looks after it. But what happened was that the vine was intended to bring forth a good crop, but it didn't. So let's read in Isaiah 5, 1 to 7. We'll read the first couple of verses, actually. Um, I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded 
only bad fruit. Okay, so when Jesus comes in to, to the disciples and he says, I am the true or another um, better way to, to say it is a genuine, I'm the genuine vine, he's actually saying he's the fulfillment of what was supposed to be. Israel was sort of a foreshadowing. They were imperfect, but they foreshadowed something that was to come, something better. And I don't know if you've looked at the book of Hebrews, but it has this idea of better. We look at um, things like the sacrifices about the covenant and Jesus is the new and better covenant. Like Israel, Jesus came out of Egypt. He was tempted for 40 days like Israel was, yet he did not fail. Jesus is the genuine vine, the one in whom our roots must be planted, from whom we find our strength. For the disciples, Jesus was reminding them when he said, I am the vine, that their roots must be in Jesus, not in Israel, not in their identity of the nation of Israel. And I wonder if you're starting to think about how this might apply for us today, but I wonder where our roots are as followers of Jesus Christ? Do we place them in that identity of the church or a denomination? Maybe it's in um, our parents' faith or the way that you're brought up. Where are we finding our roots? Jesus wants to remind us he is the true vine. He's the one where we find all life. And if Jesus is the true vine, the father is named as the vine dresser. It's not really a word that we would use or be familiar with, but you think of it as the gardener, the one that tends to the vines. And I've got this quote which really describes what a vine dresser does. And this is true um, for nowadays as well. I'm going to read it. I think it's on the screen behind. A vine dresser or a husbandman, that's a name. I think it's called husbandry when they study, yeah, when they study um, making wine. Yeah, great. All right, so um, he's more than a mere farmer. Grapes are more than an annual crop. The vine dresser's grapes, grapevines, remain with him for decades. He comes to know each in a personal way, much like a shepherd with his sheep. Interesting. He knows how the vine is faring from year to year and which ones are more productive or vigorous than others. He knows what they respond to and what special care certain ones need. Each vine has its own personality, and the vine dresser comes to know it over the years. The vine dresser cares for each vine and nurtures it, pruning it at the appropriate amount at the appropriate times, fertilizing it, lifting its branches from the ground, and propping them or tying them to the trellis, and taking measures to protect them from insects and disease. So the father is the one who cultivates the vine. He cares for the vine. And it says in this passage that every branch in me, or Jesus is saying this, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So are there any gardeners in the house today? Can you show? Oh, we've got a few. Bet you enjoyed the day yesterday in the sun out gardening. Um, I would say I'm a dabbler, maybe, got some indoor plants. Does that count? Uh, I've got some weeds, so there's a need for gardening for sure. Um, but I picked up a few tricks. We've got a few rose bushes um, 
at our house and my grandfather, my papu, that's Greek for grandfather, um, he is just an expert gardener. So every winter he comes around and he'll prune all the trees. We used to have an apple tree um, and we've got all these rose bushes. And I don't know what, what he's doing but he literally, it looks like he cuts everything away. And when you go out to have a look at what he's done, there's like a few sticks sticking out. Does that sound about right? And you think, what is he doing? But he knows and he's, he's tried to teach me which way to cut the, the branches so they're not all facing inward to open up the inner parts of the tree. But come springtime, the trees are just absolutely flourishing and blooming. There's new growth. Pruning. I wonder if you felt like you've gone through a season or maybe multiple seasons of pruning in your life. Maybe you're feeling like you're in one right now. I'm sure if we went around the room, there'd be many examples of when you have been through this before yourself. Maybe you've walked with someone else through it. Those seasons when things are so difficult and it feels like you're being stretched and and maybe as a follower of Jesus, you know that something's happening. There's, there's something at work, but you can't really see the end goal. You can't see the fruit. You can't see the, the promise. Sometimes that's even hard to hold on to in a season of pruning. You know, some examples might be when God answers our questions in ways that we don't expect, when he answers our questions with weight or... Just keep walking and trust me. Maybe times when he rebukes and corrects us, that's uncomfortable. The times when he turns our wandering hearts away from the distractions of the world and draws us back to the narrow path, taking away our attachment to worldly things. When he teaches us through consequences of our unwise decisions that we make ourselves. This is the nature of pruning. And it's in these seasons that we begin to bear fruit and we grow in character. We become more like Christ and we start producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You know, for three years, Jesus had revealed his word to the disciples He'd made God's will known to them through parables, through life experience, teaching them. And this work of pruning, or it can also be translated cleansing, had already been happening in the disciples' lives. And you see that as they step away from what they were doing before and start to walk towards where Jesus is leading them. Jesus had already spoken to the disciples about this idea of cleaning or cleansing when he washed their feet and he said to them you're already clean and in this passage in verse 3 it says you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you so the word of God has a pruning or cleansing effect on our lives and you have probably witnessed this yourself if you've been walking with God for I'd say a couple of days or a couple of decades as we increasingly know Jesus as we increasingly know him through the word it begins to take root in our heart. We pray prayers, Lord, would you make me more like Jesus? And I tell you what, they're so, so dangerous. 
there's been a few times for me I've actually gone through something and I've gone back to my journal and I'm like, yep, there it was. Why did I pray the prayer? <laughs> and I can see it. It's, it's our prayer to God. Would you make me more like Jesus? And all of a sudden, something comes up. Something doesn't go to plan. You, you have this interaction with someone which, let's just say, it's difficult. You have a difficult situation. Maybe it's an incredible period of hardship that you face. And very quickly, if we can admit it, I think we often say, what is going on? Why am I being attacked? Do we say this sometimes? Okay. Sometimes we question what may very well be the answer to our prayers. These situations that come up often have a way of revealing things within us we didn't know were there, motives, character traits. I always like to think of it as, um, you know, we're like an onion and there's just layers and God is just slowly but surely just peeling off those layers to just get closer and closer to that space within us, the deepest place that we could be fully intimate and vulnerable before him. The word of God is what prunes us. It's powerful to reveal sin in our hearts, deceit, wrong motivations. It brings them into the light. And if we would allow it, his word cleanses us through the blood of Jesus. He continues on verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide is not a word that we would probably use all the time. Like, be like, hey, Megan, how are you abiding? I don't know. <laughs> right? This isn't, I don't know. Does anyone use it? Probably not. So what does it mean? Because you may all not, not be 100% about that. Um, we don't use it. It means to stay in a place. It means that we would continue to remain in a place, to be present, to not, in the negative, it's to not leave, to not depart from a certain place, to tarry, probably another word we don't really use, but that means to sort of stick around, to linger. These are all meanings of the word abide. Jesus brings this encouragement to his disciples that if they would abide in him, if they would continue to stay in that place with him, he would be united with them even after he was no longer physically present with them anymore. And he gives um, a further development of this picture saying, I'm the vine, not me, you know, Jesus is the vine, you are the branches, okay? It's this picture of constant connection because the branch, of course, is attached to the vine, okay? It's a two-way thing. As the branch is connected to the vine... The vine is also connected to the branch. We also get a picture of complete dependence of the branch on the vine. Either the branch is connected to the vine and it receives everything it needs to grow or it's not connected to the vine. Jesus is inviting the disciples and I think encouraging us as well today to abide, to stay connected to the vine. It looks like complete and continual reliance on Jesus, obedience to his commands. There's a quote that says, when our Lord says, abide in me, he's talking about will. 
about the choices, the decisions we make. We have to decide to do those things which expose ourselves to him, to keep ourselves in contact with him. That is what it means to abide in him. And when I was going through the passage, I felt like it, it's so matter of fact, the way he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's like you've got to get this picture. This is the way it works. He is the vine, we are the branches. It's like he's, he's giving them this clear, concrete example of how the relationship works. Remember, the disciples were so accustomed to thinking as, of Israel as the vine, but now they had to reframe that. Jesus is the one from whom they would get all that they needed. For us, what do we think of is that vine, the source of life, the source of strength in our lives? Let's be honest this morning and we can have that time and space to ask that question. And for every single person, it's going to be different. Maybe it's our work. As long as I stay connected to my work, as long as I put in the hours, as long as I work hard, as long as I give it my focus, my priority, my energy, all of my time, it's going to keep sustaining me. My work, that's what's going to put food on my table. It's going to give me a nice place to live, clothes on my back. It's going to keep me looking good amongst all of my peers and it's going to pay my gas bill because that's an issue right now. But in all seriousness, maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's your family you think is that's, that's your lifeline and all the, these things are good things. But often we're looking for them to find our strength. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He is the one on whom we can depend for everything. He goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. And, you know, when you think about a vine or vineyard, um, you know, often we might drive down the Yarrow Valley, it's very close to here, it's such a beautiful place, isn't it? You drive down those rolling hills and it's absolutely stunning. And you see the vineyards and all the vines in rows and it's absolutely absolutely beautiful but don't be fooled to think that it's just there for us to look at the vines take a lot of work to grow the land has to be prepared cultivated the vines have to be planted they have to be watered and tended why it's all so that fruit can grow and be enjoyed this is their ultimate purpose fruit bearing is inevitable with abiding. So when the branch is attached to the vine, it's connected to the vine, it's tended to by the vine dresser, our heavenly father, fruit will grow. Now, it's not to say that we can't be active or creative without Jesus, but what we're talking about is growing in his likeness. We're talking about um, fruit of eternal significance, the things that are going to last, the treasures that are going to be stored in heaven. For us to do much good, we need to abide in Christ. But for us to do any good at all, we need to also abide in Christ. It's not about doing grand and um, marvellous things. It's about doing anything and all things as a believer. For all our actions, whether they're... Um, you know, spiritual and caring for one another as a body of Christ or whether it's the things that we do day by day, it's only in his power that we live and move and have our being. 
And as you walk with God more and more, you, you will know that to be true in your lives. You will know that you can't continue on or, or um, get through certain situations or whatever it is without his grace, without his voice leading you, without his Holy Spirit prompting you, directing you every single day. The branch is not the source. It can't create its own life. Picture a branch that's fallen off the vine and it's just sitting down on the ground. Now, it's just fallen off, so it's got green leaves. It might have a big, juicy bunch of red grapes on it. But lying on the ground apart from the vine, is that fruit going to last? The branch might look fruitful, but it's actually not capable of producing anything on its own. The branch only bears fruit by being attached to the vine. You know, this passage is an invitation for the disciples to abide in Jesus, that is to continue to be present in him and to not depart from him. They've heard the word. They've heard the cleansing word of God and it's impacted their lives and now they're to remain in that word. And they're actually never asked to go bear fruit in the passage. All they're asked to do is to abide in the vine. That's it. Did you notice that? Abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you will do no thing. You actually won't be fruitful unless you remain in Christ. When we try and do things in our own strength, we might have the best strategy. We might have the best leadership skills. We might be full of charisma and confidence. But if we are not planted in Jesus, that fruit is not going to last. It's not going to amount to anything that will last into eternity. And don't we want that? Don't we want to walk in his ways? Don't we want to impact the, the world around us with his spirit over our lives? I was reminded of that passage in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, later in the passage, it goes on to talk about abiding in his love. This is the place that we come back to, the place of his love. And so the message today is that we can depend on the vine. We are invited, every single one of us, to abide in Jesus. And, you know, we've been speaking the last few weeks or so about having joy, having joy in all circumstances having joy when everything around us is just tearing us down, but to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But how do we do that? How do we stay in that place? Do we, do we build up the joy within ourselves? Do we just decide to do it one day? No, we do it by abiding in the vine. He does it by the power of his spirit. You know, we have these big questions and prayers and they're going to come up on the screen behind me. We might pray, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to be used by you. Abide in him. Lord, what do you want me to do? We often pray this specifically maybe when we're younger. We don't know what we want to do with our lives. Lord, what is my calling? I I want to do anything for you. I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Can you show me what to do? Abide in him. And in this season of suffering, and we might not know why, 
we might not get those questions answered. But as we walk through pain and despair and brokenness, how do we keep going? We abide in him. So what does that mean for you today? What does that mean to abide, this, this word that we don't often use? I might get down up. What does it look like to abide in Jesus? Well, I want to just briefly talk about a few ways that we might be able to do this. So firstly, that we know who he is. We know that he is actually the vine. We've got to get that thinking right. So I believe we do this by beholding him in Scripture. Behold just means to notice something. It's like it stands out. Don't miss this. We look for him in Scripture. You know, Jesus said that all of Scripture was about him. Not just the New Testament. All of Scripture was written about him. You know, we can talk about abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus, but we need to know who he is, don't we? And we do that through Scripture because the way that we view him, our view of him will determine the way that we respond to him. Okay, so we need to know who Jesus is in our lives, what he's done for us, and that will help us to draw closer to him. You know, I was chatting with um, Steve about this, my husband, yesterday, and, you know, he was just sharing with me that um, a number of years ago he, and this was his personal conviction, and so we're going to continue to talk about it, it's going to be different for each of us, but for him He just um, felt drawn to just go deeper into the scriptures and to just read sort of through the Bible and um, just get to know God in that way. And it was just absolutely revolutionary for his faith. He began to see Jesus in ways that he had never imagined before to, to get to know his heart. And even just through reading it, it just would transform his life, his actions, his outlook, his view of other people around him. Such a blessing. If God's words abide in us, then in all seasons we will know for ourselves that he is the bread of life. He is the one who satisfies every longing we've ever had. And, you know, in the book of John, he goes through all these I am statements. And we get to know these things as we get to spend time with God in his word. We discover that Jesus doesn't just say that he's the light of the world, but he is the one who brings light into our darkness. He sheds light on the darkness of our lives. Even the dark is not dark to him. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who knows and cares for his sheep, just like the vine dresser cares for the vine. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He's the only way that we can get to the Father. And as we meditate on that, as we look at that in Scripture, we come to realise that all of our strivings will amount to nothing but it's only in placing our confidence in Jesus. We know these things about Him through Scripture, but it's through relationship that we come to know that He who is who He says He is. So we read the Word. Number two, we know who we are. We're not the vine. We are the branches. And that informs that we would come to the vine because we recognise we are dependent on the vine. We can do nothing apart from him. This is dependence on Christ. And, you know, after this teaching, Jesus told the disciples that in this world they would have trouble. And he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. We will have troubles. 
but we can't have that greater awareness of God's presence in our lives without certain circumstances. God uses everything in our lives to draw us closer to him and to make us more like Jesus if our hearts are humble before him. The vine dresser knows the vines, he knows the branches and he knows what is needed for them to grow. And sometimes that's pruning. Pruning that takes place within us to get us to the places that God has for us. For him to form us into the likeness of Jesus. So abiding means being faithful in walking with Jesus day by day, sometimes, hour by hour. I wonder actually, because this is true for me, does anyone feel like that sometimes? It's hour by hour? Yeah. Love that old hymn, I need thee every hour. You know, I used to think as a teenager, I grew up in church, and I used to think, and maybe it was sort of like a, a, a vision from God, like a message for encouragement. But I used to think, you know, one day I'm going to be like a proper Christian. Like I'm going to be walking with God and doing all the right things. And like I, I think it's going to, I can see it. I can see it. I could see it. And that was, you know, God's encouragement for, for I was that at that stage. And I was like, I know I'm going to be walking with the Lord. Praise God. And I didn't know how it was going to happen. Because I couldn't see it at that point. But retrospectively, I can see that following Christ faithfully wasn't in fact something that would just happen. But it was daily seeking Him. Day by day. You know, I often would veer off that narrow path to pursue something other than Christ. And Christ was there, but my heart was wandering, as it does. But then I came back. I returned to the vine. And the more time that I've spent with Him, the more time, the more I've gotten to know Him. I don't want to leave this place. I can't. I know I can't do anything apart from Him. I know that I'm the branch and He is the vine. And the third way I believe that we can continue to abide is in prayer. And, you know, it talks about this in this passage. You might like to spend a bit more time reading it this week. It says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You know, when we follow the example of Jesus, we see him time and time again refrain in scriptures that Jesus withdrew to a quiet place to talk with the Father. He was in constant connection with the Father, the one he knew would lead him every step of the way through all of his challenges. We look to Jesus' example of continual reliance on the Father, of this communion with, with the Father that was so deep it just poured out of him. So I ask you this morning, how's your prayer life? How does it go? How, what does it look like for you when you talk to God? Do you think about praying? 
Do we talk about the need to pray more than we do? Do we form words and express them to God? That's a way to put it simply. Prayer is not just thinking about something or mulling over it, that it would swirl around in our mind and worrying about it, but it's expressing to God what is in our hearts, what's on our minds. And this will take many different shapes for many people. Some people will pray out loud and really loud. Some people might whisper. Some people might express it through words in their head. Some people will write it down and journal. It's different for all of us. But this is what glorifies the Father, that we come before him with all of our needs, with all of our brokenness, with all of our pride, all the things that are being revealed as he's pruning us, that we come to him, we express them to God, even if it's our anger towards God, even if it's our questions, our frustrations, we bring it all before God. And we recognise our standing before him, that he is the vine. I'd like to invite you to stand this morning just as the music team comes back up. So I hope you hear my heart this morning. This is different for every single person in this room. When we talk about reading the Bible, when we talk about praying, it doesn't mean I'm not telling you to all go and sign up for a Bible reading plan. That's not what I'm saying this morning. For some of you, Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit's pressing you to do, to take that step closer to Him. But other people might be saying to a friend, hey, can we just read through this passage together this week? It's going to look different for everyone. There's not a specific formula that equates with abiding. We all have to respond to this Invitation to abide for ourselves, not for the person that's sitting next to you. It's taking a step towards Jesus, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's a call to obedience. You know, in the later verses of this passage, it talks about those that abide will obey his commands and do what he says. Are you abiding in Jesus? Will you abide? Will you continue to come to that place that recognises that He has everything we could ever need? Why don't you just take a minute this morning just to pray yourself and God. What are the ways that He's calling you to remain in Him, to stay with Him, to stay in that place? Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His holy people, for those who fear Him lack nothing.
You know, we have an invitation this morning, a reminder to abide in Him. And you know, when we do that, when we accept that, when we come back to His feet, to communion with Him, we can do so knowing and expecting that He will also abide in us. Remember it says that, abide in me as I abide in you. He is here. He is with you. If you've heard the Word of God, that He is our Saviour, that He died for us, that we might have life. If you've received that Word, He is in you. He is in you. He is here. All we need to do is take that step closer to Him. It doesn't matter if you've gone off. You can come straight back. As Pastor Greg said, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're just going to pray together this morning. And I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. Maybe you're feeling like you're in a season of pruning and it's uncomfortable and it's difficult. Maybe you just feel like you really need that encouragement just to keep going. Just a reminder that God is with you through it all. Or perhaps there's those people here who feel that pressing need that, yeah, I've, I've strayed a bit. I've, I've begun to think that maybe I was providing for myself, that I as the branch could make things happen. I could bear fruit on my own. And Jesus is saying this morning, come back. All of that is found in me, in me. You will bear fruit. So if that's you this morning, if you're feeling like you're in a season of pruning or if you're feeling that called it to come back, to stay, to remain in Jesus, would you want, want to raise your hand this morning? I'll just pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. You are the true, the gardener, the best one that we could ever have. Thank you that you know us each individually, Father. You look at this room and you do see your church, your bride, but you also see each of us. You know each of us by name. You know our situations. You know our circumstances. You know our home life. You know our work life, but most of all, you know our hearts. So Father, as we come before you this morning, would you remind us that we are held in you, that as we put our faith, our hope, our trust in Jesus, the true vine, that you would continue to sustain us, that you would continue to lift up our spirits, that you continue to bring light, you would continue to bring freedom, you would continue to bring hope, you would continue to bring peace into our hearts, Father. Lord God, for those whose minds just battle and rage on, we speak peace in the Name of Jesus. Lord, that as we abide in You, we will find strength, we will rise up on wings like eagles who soar, and do not grow weary, that we will walk and not faint as we just walk on Your path. We walk with You, Jesus. And we pray, Father, as Your 
You're drawing us closer to Yourself, Lord. We just pray for a sweetness of Your presence in our lives and in this community, Father. Lord, as we we look to find our joy in You, would You help us to be obedient in walking out Your commands, in doing the things that You've asked us to do, God? Would You help us to be obedient in prioritising You with our time, to putting You first, to recognising that You are the vine, You're the one, You're the source. We depend on You and we recognise that we can do nothing without You. And finally, Lord, we just pray that You would bear fruit in our lives. Father, we know it's a big prayer to pray because we know that means pruning. But Lord, would You continue to make our lives fruitful. Father, we are here for You. We are here that Your Name might be glorified. So do Your work in us. We trust You. We trust You.